Amen. Stand with me this morning in reverence to God for the reading of our text. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The title of my message this morning, Jonah, the only prophet in the Bible to spend three days and three nights in Whale University. <laughs> Remain standing and bow with me for a word of prayer. Holy Ghost, have your way and do your work. And accomplish what needs to be done in the hearts and the lives of everybody listening to my voice. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. I want to focus the spotlight of your attention this morning on two lines in those first three verses. In fact, you will find that this line is repeated because it is so significant. It says that Jonah rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord. He arose to run from God. But before we dig a little bit deeper into this fifth story, I want to stop right here in the beginning and say this. Did you know that there are many people who do not believe that the book of Jonah even belongs in the Bible? They say that it is just a missionary story, that it didn't really take place. But I'm here this morning to tell you that I'm convinced and I believe that the book of Jonah is inspired of God because it is in the Bible. And that I would tell you furthermore that the problem that many people have with the book of Jonah is this. They say, how could there possibly be a fish that could swallow a man and that man live in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights and then live to tell the story? And there are many supposed to be Bible scholars who deny the inspiration on the book of Jonah. They say a fish couldn't swallow a man and that man lived to tell about it. But I'm here this morning to tell you that I don't have any trouble with this fish story, and here's why. Because you see, the same God who made the fish, made the man, made the universe. And if God wants to make a fish that can swallow a man, and that man lived in the belly of that fish for three days, or 300 days, God can do anything he pleases. After all, he made the universe, he made you and me. Hear me, God is not handicapped. He's not limited. And I would tell you furthermore that if the Bible said that Jonah swallowed a whale instead of a whale swallowing Jonah, I believe that too. Because I believe the Bible. That it's the inspired word of God. I believe it from cover to cover. Amen? And and, uh, in fact, uh, Jesus put his stamp of authenticity and credibility and inspiration on the book of Jonah. The only prophet in the Bible that Jesus likened himself unto was Jonah. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 12, verses 39 through 41. Matthew 12, 39 through 41. And see what the Lord had to say about Jonah. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment in this generation and condemn it, but for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. His name is Jesus, and he's better than Jonah. Now, if that isn't strong enough recommendation that what happened to Jonah actually did take place, oh, it's not just a missionary story. It is a missionary story, but hear me, it is a real-life, true missionary story. Not fiction, not fairy tale, not folklore, not legend, but it is an event that really took place that is recorded in the Word of God. Now, let's get into the story because it's exciting. It's fascinating. Most of you know this story, but I'm going to share some things with you this morning that I believe will help you to appreciate this story even more. The Bible says, follow me here, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh and preach to that evil and that wicked city. But Jonah wouldn't go. Jonah would not go to Nineveh. Now, we don't know why for all of the reasons, Sister Evelyn, but one of them was they were Gentiles over there. They weren't Jews, and Jonah had a problem with being prejudiced. Y'all quit shouting so much. Jonah had a problem with people that didn't believe just like he did. Jonah had a problem with people that, that were a different denomination than he was. And time and again, we will not talk to someone on the job or at school or in the neighborhood because of the color of their skin or because they're rich or because they're poor or they drive a car that's not too nice or they wear too nice of clothes and too many times we will draw the line. And if someone is not educated or if they're too well educated, then we will block them out. And we are prejudiced against people that are rich or poor or, or educated or uneducated or black or white or brown or red or yellow. And too many times we have religious prejudices that we don't even realize that we have. Listen to me, Sanctuary Family Worship Center. God is colorblind. He's not concerned about the color of a person's skin. It's the color of their heart that he's concerned with. God is concerned about the educated and the uneducated. God is concerned about the rich, the poor, the black, the white, the brown, the red, the yellow. I thank God that I was raised on the evangelistic field. My dad's been preaching now for 68 years. He's 86 years old. When I was, when I was young, I'm talking like 14, 15 years old, my dad would send my brothers and I overseas in some of the most uh, remote areas of the world. I'll never forget one of several trips that we made to Haiti. I was 14 years old. My brother was 16 years old. And my dad sent my brother and I to Haiti by ourselves. At least it was a round trip. It wasn't a one-way trip, so I was thankful for that. We flew into the nation's capital, Port-au-Prince, and then we took a, a taxi, a, a little Datsun 210 station wagon uh, 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 to the side of a mountain in Capatia. And then my brother and I took turns riding a mule five miles up the side of a mountain, and we stayed with a pastor and his wife and eight children in a one-room mud hut for several days. I never had a problem with people that were different color of skin than me. My grandmother was born and raised in Paris, France. She came to America as a war bride in World War I. She had to learn the English language. She didn't speak English. My grandfather didn't speak French, but they had 11 children, so I guess they didn't have too much trouble communicating, now did they? That's all I'm going to say about that. But anyway, I never had a problem with people that were a different color of the skin than me. 
Uh, uh, but here's Jonah. Uh, uh, you know, I heard about this lady that uh, had trouble getting her son out of bed on Sunday morning, and she came into his room one Sunday morning, and he was sound asleep, and so she tried to wake him up, and he just rolled over. She came in the second time and, and said, Son, get out of bed. You've got to get ready for church. And, and, and so he, she walked out, and he just rolled over again. She came in the third time, and this time she wasn't going to let him get away with this. She said, Son, she said, you're going to have to get out of bed and get ready for church. If I have to drag you down there, you're going to church today. So he roused himself and he said, Mama, he said, I don't want to go to church today for two reasons. He said, number one, there's some people down at church that I don't like. He said, number two, there's some people down at that church that don't like me. So I don't want to go to that church anymore. And she said, well, son, I'm going to give you two good reasons why you need to go to church. She said, number one, you're 47 years old. <laughs> she said, number two, you're the pastor of the church. <laughs> so you have to go. But here's Jonah, a prophet, running from God. Now look at the beginning of verse 3. And you'll notice that Jonah has what I call a billy goat religion. It says, but Jonah, but Jonah. Now friend, here at Sanctuary Family Worship Center, we're not to be billy goats budding, but we are to be sheep that are following the shepherd. But like Jonah, there are many people in the church today that have a billy goat religion. God says to do this. And we say, but Lord, you know I can't do that. God says to go here. And we say, but Lord, you know I can't go there. God says to do this in the church. And we say, but Lord, I, I don't want to do that. And too many times, like Jonah, we have a biblical religion. And we give God an excuse instead of giving him our best. We give God an excuse instead of giving and going and doing all that God wants us to do. All of us have a little of Jonah in us, and some of us have more of Jonah than we're willing to admit. Now, let's dig a little bit deeper into this fifth story today. It says that Jonah went down to Joppa, and they bought a ticket to Tarsus. Now, we don't know precisely where Tarsus was at this time. Bible scholars say it could have been in the island of Cyprus. It may have been Spain. It could have been in the British Isles. But we do know this for sure. It was in the opposite direction that God told him to go. God said go one way, Jonah went the other. God said go east, Jonah went west. So he went down to Joppa and he bought a ticket to Tarsus. And then I want you to notice this. It says that he paid the fare thereof. Let me tell you something, friend. When you're running from God, you're going to pay your own way. You're going to buy your own ticket. Now listen, if Jonah would have been going to Nineveh like God told him to, God would have bought that ticket. God would have taken care of Jonah. But here is Jonah running in the opposite direction that God told him to go and he's paying his own way. And when you're running from God, young man, when you're running from God, mister, lady, when you're running from God, young lady, I want you to hear me. You're going to pay your own way. Let me tell you something. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. You're going to find that the price is far higher than you ever dreamed to follow the devil, to turn your back and run from God. So here's Jonah running in the opposite direction that God told him to go and is paying his own way. And you notice he didn't get a round trip ticket. Oh, he's going round trip, but he got a one-way ticket. He didn't intend to come back. 
paying his own way and following the devil's crowd. So he went down into the ship. Then he went down into the bottom of the ship. And the storm, and he went to sleep. And the storm began to rage and all hell broke loose. And the thunder began to boom. And the lightning flashed. And the waves beat against that ship. And those mariners were scared because it seemed that the ship was going to be torn apart by the wind and the waves and all of the elements that were coming upon that ship. And listen, while Jonah was sleeping in the bottom of that ship... He did not even acknowledge that that storm was going on around him. Hear me. Jonah sleeping at the bottom of that ship are like most people in the church in America today. If you haven't noticed already here in America, all hell has broke loose. I mean, the beer joints, the gambling, all the trouble they were having with the sanction and the lottery, the killing of the babies with abortion, the dope, the drugs, the violence, on and on. All of this sin is bad. But you know what's worse? Is that we God's people in the church, we've been playing instead of praying. We've been asleep right in the middle of the storm. We've been playing instead of praying. We've been sleeping instead of weeping. We've been feasting instead of fasting. And now it's revival or removal. And I joined Paul in Romans 13, 11 in saying it is high time to awake out of sleep. Wake up, America. Wake up, God's people. Wake up, church. Wake up, sanctuary, family worship center. Sleeping and playing of what most people in the churches are doing right now. Lost their fire. Gone to sleep. Letting all hell break loose around us. And we've been doing little or nothing to put up a fight. So here's Jonah. Sleeping at the bottom of this ship. The storm is raging. And those mariners are so scared that they started praying to their gods. But it didn't do them any good because they were praying to their heathen gods. And the thunder continued to boom. And the lightning flashed. And those mariners, they, they were so scared that they started throwing things overboard. Anything and everything that they could do without they thought. And the still was not stopping the storm. So they went down into the bottom of the ship where Jonah was sleeping. And they found him and they got him and they shook him real good. They said, we are about to perish. They told Jonah, and here you are down here in the bottom of this ship sleeping. Don't you realize what's going on? Don't you even care? Jonah says, I can tell you what's wrong. He said, the storm we're in has come not because of any evil that you have done, but for the evil that I have done. Jonah said, I am running from God. I am running from the master. Jonah said, now if you'll pick me up and throw me overboard... Then the storm will stop. You will not have any more trouble. They didn't want to do that. So then they started praying to Jonah's God. Now you notice, they started out praying to their gods and it didn't do them any good. Now they're praying to Jonah's God and finally they realized that they had no recourse. So they picked up Jonah the prophet and they threw him overboard. Now God had provided a fish. And God had prepared that fish. And no doubt... That fish had been following that ship for quite some time. In fact, that fish was probably eating everything those mariners were throwing overboard. Amen? I mean, you think about it. No doubt that fish was eating the apples and the oranges and the cucumbers and the okra and the lemons and the limes and the grapefruits and the bananas and anybody hungry yet? And and the crepes and the boxes. That fish was probably swallowing every bit of it as it was following that ship. And then those mariners, those seamen picked up that backslidden preacher and threw him overboard and that fish just swallowed him whole and that fish quit following that ship when it swallowed Jonah 
That fish went to the bottom of the ocean. In fact, the Bible says that when that fish swallowed Jonah, that fish went to the foot of the mountains in the bottom of the ocean. You see, that fish went to the deepest place that he could find because he has now swallowed a backslidden preacher and he's got a bellyache so bad that he can hardly stand it. Any backslidden preacher will give you a bellyache, amen? The has-beens, the used-to-bees, there's nothing that bothers you more than somebody that used to preach, but they fell into sin and didn't get right with God. Used to teach Sunday school, used to be a missionary or a pastor or an evangelist, used to serve God, but now they don't. It makes God sick. It makes the people of God sick. And it made this fish sick too. So here's Jonah in the belly of a fish in the bottom of the ocean. Now, even though God had provided and prepared this fish, it was still a fish's belly, wasn't it? The second chapter of Jonah begins to describe it. The first chapter, we'll call it rebellion. The second chapter, we'll call it repentance. We'll get to the third chapter in a moment, what to call it. Rebellion. But now we're coming upon repentance. Here is Jonah in the belly of a whale. Now, no doubt is in this fish's belly. Don't you know that fish, that whale, had provided all kinds of things that were nauseating to Jonah? I mean, you think about it. Here's Jonah in the belly of that whale. He's probably got crawfish in his hair. Seaweed wrapped around his mouth, uh, around his neck. Little fish running in and out of his mouth and tickling his toes. And, and, and if that's not bad enough, he's in the belly of a fish. Can you imagine what it must have been like in the belly of that fish? And, and how many of you know that whenever, uh, whenever you, uh, when a fish swallows something, a fish has stomach acids that will come upon whatever swallows and it will peel the hide right off and bleach the skin out. Did you know that? And no doubt every hour on the hour, Jonah the prophet got him a good shower of those stomach acids. I mean, just sprayed him right in the face. We're not talking about a room in the Holiday Inn here. I mean, he wasn't able to pick up the telephone and call out for womb service. Some of you will get that tomorrow. But anyway, I mean, it's not like, I mean, think about it. I mean, here's Jonah in the belly of this fish with the stomach acids and the seaweed and the slime and the crawfish and the guts and the innards of a fish. It was a stinky, smelly situation. And in the midst of all of this, what happened to Jonah? The Bible says Jonah began praying. And I want you to look at the heart of his prayer that he prayed. Put it on the screen. Jonah 2 and verse 9. Here's what it says. Jonah said, Jonah prayed this. He said, he got down on his knees in the belly of that fish. And he said, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, understand that up to this point, before he prayed that prayer, Jonah, he'd been bellyaching and complaining and, and didn't want to do what God told him to do. He wouldn't surrender to God. And up to that point, God was not answering his prayer. But when Jonah prayed that prayer right there, I will sacrifice unto thee, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. That's the prayer that Jonah prayed that God answered. The first thing that I want to point out to you about that prayer is this. Nowhere in that prayer did Jonah ask God to get him out of the belly of the fish. If that would have been you and me, the first thing you and I would have prayed is something like this. Lord, if you'll just get me out of here, I promise I'll pay my tithe faithfully. Lord, if you'll just get me out of the belly of the fish, whenever they have special services, 
at Sanctuary Family Worship Center, Lord, I promise I'll be faithful to attend every one of the services. Lord, if you'll just get me out of the belly of the fish, I promise I'll read my Bible, I'll pray, I'll give. Jonah did not ask God to get him out of the belly of the whale. Daniel didn't ask God to get him out of the lion's den. Those three Hebrew boys, they did not ask God to get them out of the fiery furnace. They prayed and asked God to go with them through the fiery furnace, through the lion's den, and through the belly of the whale. Too many times our prayers are so selfish, and we want God to deliver us from the very trial he's using to make something out of us. You see, many times God will allow you to go through tests and trials that will drive you to your knees, that will cause you to weep, to pray, to confess, forsake, and repent of your sins. And we want God to deliver us from the very thing he's using to make something out of us. Hear me this morning because many of you sitting here are going through trials in your life right now. Don't ask God to deliver you from your trouble. Ask God to deliver you in your trouble. So that when you and I, when we go through our testing times, you will turn out better and not bitter. Better and not bitter. How many people do you and I know that when trouble comes and the storms of life begin to rage, they quit church. They turn their back on God. Quit their tithing. Quit their giving. Quit serving God. And most of us, when trouble comes, we buckle under it. And the very trial that God is using to make something out of us We allow the devil to use it to destroy us. So Jonah began talking to God about three areas of his life. And I want you to look at these three areas this morning as they apply to you. First of all, he said, Lord, I will sacrifice unto you with the voice of thanksgiving. Now, you get the picture here. Now, understand where Jonah is. Jonah is in the belly of a whale. With the stomach acids and the seaweed and the slime and the crawfish and the guts and the innards of a fish. And what does he say? Jonah 2 and verse 9, the first thing he says, right there. He gets on his knees in the belly of that whale. In the middle of that storm he's in, and it doesn't get much worse than being in the belly of a fish. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now, and I'm not trying to take away from what you're going through because God knows what you're going through right now, and he understands. But listen to me. It does not get much worse, Pastor, than being swallowed by a whale and being in the belly of a fish. So here he is in the belly of that fish, down on his knees, worshiping God. He said, Lord... I will sacrifice unto you with the voice of thanksgiving. I'm going to praise your name and worship you no matter what the possibilities are in my life. You know, it's easy to praise God when you've got a job and you've got a paycheck and your kids all love you and your wife loves you and your husband loves you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's easy to praise God when you make your house payment and your car payment and you've got all the good things in life. Look here. What about when you lose your job? What about when your paycheck stops? What about when your wife walks out on you? What about when your husband quits? What about when one of your kids is in jail or prison or tries to commit suicide or maybe even accomplishes it? What about when trouble comes, when the devil throws everything at you, including the kitchen sink? Can you praise him then? Most of us only only praise God in good weather. We can't stand the wind, the rain, the storm. And we come to church and we sing that song, we bring the sacrifice of praise. 
But do we know what a real sacrifice to God is? Think about it. In America, uh, uh, during the winter, we get ready for church in a heated home, drive, get in a heated car, and, and we drive to a heated church. It's never too hot. It's never too cold. And pastor, if it is too hot or too cold in the sanctuary, we will complain and bellyache, and we will tell you about it. We sit on the beautiful new padded chairs, and I love these chairs. They look, they look fantastic. And, and, and we sit on our, uh, the padded chairs. Most of us don't know what a real sacrifice to God is. Think about how we are here in America, Sister Evelyn. One little ripple, a few raindrops, and a little bit of wind, and we think we're excused from going to church. We get up on Sunday morning, and we look out the window and say, Oh, I can't go to church today. It's raining outside. But if you get up on Monday morning and it's raining outside, what do you do? Get up, go to work, go to school, go shopping. <laughs> Why is it that rain keeps people from going to church on Sunday morning, but it doesn't keep those same people from going to work on Monday morning? I'll tell you what it is. People are looking for an excuse. Jonah was not looking for an excuse. He was praising God when it wasn't easy to praise God, and he had trouble on every side. And what did he say? in the belly of a fish, down on his knees, Jonah with his hands lifted toward heaven says, God, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I'm going to praise your name no matter what happens in my life. You remember Job. He said, Lord, though you slay me, yet will I trust thee. Though you slay me. God is looking for a people at Sanctuary Family Worship Center this morning. Though when your flat broke and the bills are all piled up and everybody in your family sick, that when you rise up on your haunches, look hell in the face and say, devil, I'm going to serve God and worship God no matter what you throw my way. <laughs> Hear me today. Let me lose my house, my car, my job. Let me lose my finances, my friends, my family. Let anything, let everything happen. You know why? Because when it does, I'm still going to worship God and serve him. Serve notice on Satan this morning. Let the devil know he's not going to get to you. No matter what's going on in your life. So here's Jonah. In the belly of a whale. Down on his knees. In one of the most uncomfortable situations that anybody could be in. Worshiping God. Saying, Lord, I'm going to sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Look at the second part of that prayer. He said, I will pay that that I have vowed. I will pay that that I have vowed. What's he talking about here? You know exactly what he's talking about. No doubt this backslidden preacher is behind in paying his tithe. In fact, he probably used tithe money to get that, to buy that ticket to Tarsus. Just like people when they run from God, they use God's money to try to get away with there are many people in the, in the church today that are never satisfied with what they have. They have to have a better house, better car, better clothes, go on a vacation, color TV, new DVD player. There's nothing wrong with any of those items unless you're using God's money to buy them with. If you use God's money even to go to the grocery store with, you're in trouble. We are in trouble when we use God's money to buy material possessions or to run from him. All through the Bible, God says, look, God says, pay your tithe. Nobody gives tithe. Did you know that? You can't give something that doesn't belong to you. You don't give your house payments. You pay it. 
You don't give your car payments, you pay it. You don't give your tithe, you pay your tithe. I pay tithe, you pay tithe. And Jonah was one of the forerunners of, of those who tried to rob God. Now, I find out there's a lot of people in the church today that are having financial difficulties, and, and not all of them, but I find out that many of them, it's the reason why they're having financial difficulties is because they're not paying their tithe. Or they're paying their tithe, but they're paying their tithe to grandma or to grandpa or to friends and family. Now, listen, if you want to help them, I'm all for that, but that's to come out of your offering and not your tithe. You say, now hold on, Brother Todd, it's between me and God where I pay my tithe. You're exactly right, it is. So let's see what God says. Malachi chapter 3, he said, bring ye therefore the tithe into the storehouse. So God commands us to bring the tithe into the storehouse. Amen? And Jonah was one of the forerunners of those who tried to rob God. And listen to me, it, it, you may be here this morning and you've not been faithfully paying your tithe, let me encourage you this morning by telling you that if you will honor God and do what God says to do in His Word and be faithful to pay your tithe, no matter what's happened in the past, just moving forward from this point forward, if you will begin to pay your tithe, 10% of your income to the Lord's work each week that you get paid, whether you make $1 or $1,000, no matter how much money you make, if you will give, pay God the tithe right off of the top of everything you make, I promise you, God is going to honor His Word. Is that right, Sister Evelyn? And God will open up the windows of heaven over you, and here's what He said He'll do. If you'll be faithful to pay your tithe and give your offerings to the Lord's work, he will, he will give you more blessings in your life than you even have room enough to receive. How many of you want a blessing like that? Amen? And the other side is, if you're not faithful to pay your tithe, that there's a curse on you. I want the blessing and not the curse. How about you? He said, I will pay that that I have vowed. Look at the third part of that verse. He said, salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. What is Jonah saying here? Jonah has finally been delivered of the prejudice of believing that because he's a Jew, he's going to heaven, and somebody else is a Gentile, they're going to hell. And there's many people today, in this area even, that are just like this, in that they will say, uh, uh, um, and, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm not picking on, any, I'm just using these as examples. I'm not saying any specific uh, 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 denominational background, but I'm going to use this as an example. There are people that say, I'm Church of Christ. I'm a part of the Church of Christ. If, uh, 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 and so we're the ones going to heaven. We are a part of the Church of Christ. I'm United Pentecostal. And if you're not baptized Jesus only and come up speaking in tongues, you're not saved. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I, I'm going to heaven because I'm a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or Assembly of God or, or Church of God. And there are many people today in Gina and around the world who think they're going to heaven because they're Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Assembly of God, Church of Christ, Christian Church. Let me tell you something. People don't go to heaven because they belong to a certain man's denomination. People go to heaven because they belong to Jesus. And they're, amen, give the Lord a hand. And there are many people who think their denomination is going to save them. Hear me, hear me this morning. No denomination can save. People that are saved are going to be saved in spite of their denomination, not because of it. Because most denominations are division, and God is against division. God wants his people to be united. Can I hear an amen? 
to what Jonah is saying. He's saying, I'm saved, not because I'm a Jew, but God, I'm saved because I have you. Listen, your life and mine need to reflect the same conviction. I'm saved, not because I go to Sanctuary Family Worship Center, but I'm saved because I know Jesus, and he has touched me and saved me and forgiven me. Salvation is of the Lord. When he prayed that prayer down on his knees in the belly of that fish, God spoke to that fish. And you know God can speak to fish and they'll obey. God can speak to animals. Sometimes God can get these fish and animals to obey him better than he can some of us. How about if you know what I'm talking about? But God spoke to that fish and that fish came up off of the ocean floor headed for dry land. Where it landed was just a short distance from where Jonah had boarded that ship at Joppa to go to Tarsus to begin with. Wasn't very far from there at all. And the Bible says that that whale vomited Jonah on dry land. Now, can you imagine what Jonah looked like? (laughs) I mean, after three days and three nights of being in that uh, that whale's belly, I mean, can you imagine? uh, Have you ever cut open a fish and seen what happens to the things that that fish will swallow? I mean, the the tadpoles and minnows and crawfish and everything. And and then those, those stomach acids, you know what they had done? They had literally peeled his hide right off and bleached his skin out. And no doubt, when Jonah came out of the belly of that whale, he probably had crawfish in his hair, seaweed wrapped around his neck, and he was as white as an albino. He comes out of that fish, and, 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 and the Bible says that that, uh, uh, that fish vomited Jonah on dry land, and he just takes off running for Nineveh. It was a three-day journey to Nineveh. You know how long it took Jonah? It was a three-day journey. It took Jonah one day. He pulled up the stops. He put the pedal to the metal. He probably broke every speed limit they had back then. He started out running from God, from his will, and from his command. Now he's running to God and to his will and to his command. And don't you know that running that distance in such a short period of time, he had to stop and get a drink of water. And if you can let your imagination run, I can use my exegetical imagination here. I can see Jonah stop at Jacob's well and he's catching his breath. He's getting a drink of water. And this woman walks up and this woman is drawing water from Jacob's well. And she looks over and she sees the spectacle of a man standing right there in front of her with crawfish in his hair and seaweed wrapped around his neck and his skin is all bleached out. And all of a sudden there's a flash in her eyes. And she says, oh, Jonah, you're Jonah the prophet. I didn't hardly even recognize you what in the world happened to you Jonah says well lady it's really a long story I don't have time to go into all of it with you and she said well listen she says I'm in charge of the WM's group the women's ministry at our church here in town and we're having a luncheon today and we'd like you to come over and and be our special speaker we're having fish sandwiches to eat He's like, no, thank you, lady. I don't care if I ever see another fish sandwich as long as I live. Jonah didn't want fish, and Peter didn't want chicken either after that rooster crowed. I mean, you want to stay away from those things that are your downfalls, right? Jonah didn't want fish, and he takes off running for Nineveh. When he got to Nineveh, it was close to dark, close to dusk. And the number one god in Nineveh, you know what it was? Dagon. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? I mean, look at the long neck of the giraffe, and you'll see that God has a sense of humor. Or the rhinoceros, or the hippopotamus, or better yet, look right up here at me or the person sitting next to you, and you'll see that God has a sense of humor. Amen? Listen, Dagon was the god of Nineveh. Dagon was the fish god. The fish god is what they worshipped in Nineveh. And Jonah came to Nineveh with the biggest fish story they'd ever heard in their lives. 
But when Jonah got there, God had it planned out so perfect, just like he always does. Jonah began running up and down the streets of Nineveh, crying aloud, saying, Yet 40 days in Nineveh shall perish. Yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be destroyed. He, he didn't even tell them to repent. He preached judgment, not repentance. But the people in Nineveh heard the message that he preached. They believed it and they received it. And watch this. The king on his throne in Nineveh called for everybody in the entire city of Nineveh including the animals, to fast. It's the only place in the Word of God where animals were called to a fast. He was taking this seriously. The king said, I want everybody to wrap themselves in sackcloth and ashes to fall to their knees and on their face before God and ask God to have mercy and spare the city of Nineveh. The people obeyed and did what the king told them to, and God spared the city of Nineveh. Now think about this. If the mayor of Gina, Louisiana. I believe her name is LaDon Edwards. Now understand that uh, Nineveh was a city of 120,000 people. I believe that the, 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 the last report for Gina, uh, which was 2016, I believe is the, is, the, is the most recent, there were 3,435 people that make up this city. If the people, if, if the mayor of Gina... LaDon Edwards would call for the entire city of Gina to fast and pray. And if we'd do that, starting with the church body, we'd have Holy Ghost revival break loose. That's the way to get your loved ones saved. That's the way to get your needs met. That's the way to receive your healing. It's to stop running from God and start running to Him. Now hear me. It started with rebellion. It went to repentance, and it turned into a revival. And I want you to want, notice one other thing before I close. As Jonah was running from God, now grab hold of this. As Jonah was running from God, he was going down every step of the way. Down. Now, count him, count him. He went down to Joppa and bought a ticket to Tarsus. Then he went down into the ship. Then he got tired. He went down into the bottom of the ship, and he went to sleep. The storm broke loose and the mariners found Jonah and they threw Jonah down into the ocean. The fish swallowed Jonah and Jonah went down into the fish's belly. The fish took Jonah down to the bottom of the ocean. Six times, six times that Jonah went down. Down to Joppa, down into the ship, down into the bottom of the ship, down into the ocean, down into the fish's belly, down into the bottom of the ocean, down, down, down. When you're running from God, you go nowhere but down. Jonah would have eventually gone down to hell if he hadn't got right with God. But he did get right with God. When he went down the seventh time, God's perfect number, the number of perfection in the belly of that fish, when Jonah went down on his knees. Look right here. What's it going to take to get you down on your knees? Those of you that are not in right relationship with God, what's God going to have to allow to come your direction to get your attention? I found out that if we don't fall to our knees in repentance, that we will be knocked to our knees in judgment. 
Because the Bible says that every knee, that includes yours, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Bow your heads, close your eyes, open your hearts all over the building. I want to ask if we can just have uh, a softly begin playing in the background as the Holy Spirit lay, lays on your heart what to play. I believe the message has gone forth this morning, not from man's lips, but from God's lips. I believe that God has spoken to every heart here if you've allowed him to. In fact, I believe that God has spoken to some of you about areas of your life that I did not even preach about from behind the sacred desk. Now then, it's time to do something about it because I believe that there are some of you right now that you've been running from God. And as a result of you running from God, you've been going down every step of the way. With nobody looking around, if you're here this morning, you say, Brother Todd, I'm in this building and I realize that I'm running from God. My heart is not in right relationship with God. I'm not where I need to be with God. The Lord is dealing with me because I realize that my heart is not right with the Lord. If that's you this morning, you say, I've been running from God and not to Him, but I realize that I'm not, I'm not where I need to be with Him, and He's dealing with me about it. You say, I don't want to run from God anymore. I want to run to Him. I don't want to be out of my relationship not to be where it needs to be with Him. I want my relationship to be where it needs to be with Him. You're here this morning and you realize, you realize that God's got a plan for your life, but you've not been, you, you've not been going the direction that God wants you to go. You've been run, running from Him and not to Him. And if that's you this morning, I want you to know it doesn't matter what's happened up to this point. What matters is what's going to happen from this day forward. Because God is going to get you focused on what He has for you and for the future that He has for you. And everything that He desires to do through you. But you're going to have to surrender to Him and quit running from Him and start running to Him. And if that's you tonight, this morning, you say, the Lord's dealing with me because I realize that my heart is not in right relationship with God. I'm not where I need to be with Him. Pray for me if that's you this morning with nobody looking around. If that's you, slip your hand up right now all over the building. Lift it up. Others of you. Come on, just be honest. Yes, others of you. Anybody else? Yes, say God bless. Yes, God bless you. You'd say that's me. I don't want to run from him. I want to run to him. I'm not where I need to be with God, but with God's help, I'm going to get there. Pray for me. If that's you this morning, slip your hand up right now. Anybody else? Quickly, quickly. Anybody else? You say that's me. Now, I don't want anybody looking around, please. I want every one of you that raised your hand right where you're seated. You that raised your hand right where you're seated, stand to your feet. Nobody looking around. You raised your hand in really minute, and I know that you did. Stand up if that's you quickly. Others of you, yes, yes, quickly. Stand, stand. If you didn't raise your hand, and you should have. Stand up if that's you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, who else? I want you to step out from behind that chair into the aisle and make your way to this altar. Come stand right here with me. Come on. Facing me. Come stand right here. Come on. God's dealing with you. Come. Come stand right here. Come. Across the front. Come. God bless you, young lady. Come stand right here. God bless you. God bless you, young man. Come stand right here. Right here. Facing me. God bless you this morning. God bless you, sir. 
God bless you, sir. God bless you, young lady. God's got a plan for your life, young man. God's got a plan for your life, and what he's going to do in you and through you is going to be magnificent. God bless you, young lady. God bless you this morning. Amen. Serving Jesus is the absolute most important thing you will ever do. Running to him and his will in your life. I want you to pray this with me out loud. Each one of you that came, pray this with me out loud. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash them away with your precious blood. Since you died for me, I'm going to live for you from this point forward. But I can't do it on my own. I surrender to you. I need your Holy Spirit to lead me in the things of God. In Jesus' name.